0: This time, I want it all. Giving you all my heart. This time, I'll take a chance. This time, I'll take your hand. I can be all you need. Take my hand now and follow me into love at last sight. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do do everything whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him wives submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the lord fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged yesterday i drove a couple hundred miles back from washington dc i had i had just finished a beautiful beautiful wedding it was at THE OLD POST CHAPEL AT FORT MYER, VIRGINIA, WHICH IS SORT OF THE BACK GATE OF ARLINGTON NATIONAL CEMETERY. EVERYTHING WAS JUST BEAUTIFUL. IT WAS MISTY. IT WAS DRIZZLING. EVERYTHING WAS was READY FOR THAT MOMENT WHEN THIS MAN AND THIS WOMAN IN THIS BEAUTIFUL ARMY CHAPEL WOULD COME TOGETHER AS HUSBAND AND WIFE. THEY WERE READY FOR LOVE AT LAST SIGHT. THAT'S my, MY FAVORITE PICTURE that I took the the light on the floor reflecting back on them the bride looking back over her groom's shoulder thinking I got him now (laughs) that was right after the wedding and they exchanged their vows and and everything was just glorious except when it came time for the rings there were two rings be assured of that but when the ring handoff happened it didn't go so well now a word of wisdom and caution to you men who might be a, a best man someday or you might have to handle rings at a wedding ceremony the pastor really appreciates it when you take them out of the box and and they're in your hand so it makes an easy transfer uh i'm already working very hard i don't need more work i don't need to do your job YOUR JOB IS GET THE RINGS OUT OF THE BOX, HAVE THEM IN YOUR HANDS. BUT THIS GENTLEMAN WALKS UP TO ME AND SAID, MAY I HAVE THE RINGS, PLEASE. HE COMES UP, HE'S GOT THE BOX. NOW HE HAS TO OPEN THE BOX. THEN THE RINGS ARE IN THE BOX. BOTH RINGS ARE, are THERE. SO NOW I'M TAKING THOSE RINGS OUT AND, and THEY START TO, to FUMBLE in my, IN MY FINGERS. I'VE GOT A BOOK TO HOLD. I'M WATCHING THE BRIDE AND THE groom, AND THEN AS THEY'RE FUMBLING, I'M TRYING TO GET IN TOUCH WITH MY INNER DEREK JETER BECAUSE I DON'T WANT TO FUMBLE THE BALL at that moment the groom being a macho man that that he is he grabs my hand to help me this does not help me grabbing me suddenly and violently does not help me but this is what men do you know they just jump in like grab first think later and so this should be a sign to the woman who's marrying this guy so but she's like ah and then she thinks her ring is going to fall so then she jumps in too (laughs) So I have the bride flying in the middle of, of the ceremony. The groom grabbing me. The rings are fumbling. I got the rings under control. And, and, and we were able to proceed. And then for their first moment together as husband and wife, they took communion. And we, we got close together at a communion table. And they took the bread and they drank the cup. And I prayed for them. They were so full of love their faces were shining they really want love at last sight and that's that's how it starts out you want love at last sight you want that glorious moment to continue forever but then we get confused about sharing our hearts today we are at days 17 and 18 In the Love at Last Sight book, the awkwardness of asking, the awkwardness of revealing your heart. And we're gonna look at the reasons we get confused. We get confused about sharing our hearts because first we assume too much. The shook's right. We often make the mistake of assuming we know how the people closest to us feel rather than taking the time to find out. The most common pitfall is the assumption that the other person's needs are the same as ours in marriage we may mistakenly think that our spouse's needs are the same as our own and in so doing we completely skip over the crucial questions that take relationships to the deepest level many parents wrongly assume that their children are wired just the way they are when it comes to expressing and receiving love and encouragement best friends often stop asking questions of each other and instead anticipate what they believe the other would say. It's easy to assume that the person I'm relating to is exactly like me, but it's never true. And so you go from glorious moments to everyday, ordinary moments. And then after a while, the the talk changes and it starts to be about things that that you repeat over and over again how's your brother how's your sister in alabama is mom coming over for dinner do we have dog food uh and and you go out to dinner but there's there's not much that kind of deeper conversation anymore and even with your friends you repeat the same things and you you do the same things and you the same same conversations rule the days of your lives and so you really don't after a while have a a real growing cutting-edge life the kind of life god wants you to have you have the same life over and over and over again it's not becoming it's sort of stuck we assume too much and we miss our lives it's so important to have something that I call emotional intelligence. It's in, in the, the literature. It's been studied for decades now. Emotional intelligence is, is basically, you have got to pay attention to what is really going on around you. You have to read between the lines. You have to see a person's face, really see it. You have to look in a person's eyes, really look. You have to know what the, the tone is in the room, You have to understand that a person's words don't always express what they are really feeling. Emotional intelligence is so important when it comes to love at last sight. When you are are carrying out the work of emotional intelligence, you are never assuming anything with the other person. You're always in the moment. You're always in the present. That's one of the themes of love at last sight is that you are being very intentional about living your life it's not just going by it's not just the same old same old it's not all the the same conversations all the time with your spouse with your best friend with the people that you you work with all the time and you spend a lot of time with those people many parents it says wrongly assume that their children are wired just the way they are when it comes to expressing and receiving love and encouragement and, and you do a great disservice to your, to your child or to your children if you foist upon them your expectations or you, you keep putting goals in front of them that are your goals and they aren't the goals of those kids. Uh, my, my parents, God bless my parents for providing me with so many good things, uh, but they, they had this expectation thing really really mixed up uh they they were so caught up in, in trying to save money and trying to hold on to money and never spending an extra nickel or dime that that you didn't have to that one day they went into a store and and everything was was on sale like 80 percent off and so they bought all the clothes for my life that day From the time i was five to the time i was 18 all the clothes for my life were were there packed away in trunks in the attic and and that doesn't work really well in 1967 when you're trying to wear bell bottoms and be cool and they pull down the trunk and out pop really tight chinos with a little strap in the back and a little buckle thing from 1956 you know you're like oh please you have to wear these the tags are still on them they're brand new it, you know, it traumatizes me still to this day every time i see a trunk I, I i continue to need therapy for this i may break into tears right now i have to be carried off the stage this is painful to me, bumpy-to-bumpy, bumpy, bumpy. the trunk, oh no, the clothes are coming back. I'm traumatized by chinos. You have to let your kids be and become who they are. And that's not that that's not spoiling them. God has put something already in them. And you can't assume that you know what's there. You have to study them and be intentional about it and and watch them and have emotional intelligence. The second reason that we get confused about sharing our hearts is because we have what the sooks call lost skills. I think one of the relational skills we've lost in contemporary life is that of being interested in another person. I don't mean in the romantic way of having a love interest, but in the, in the more general sense of being truly inquisitive. To really think about the questions that you could ask. To think about something that will help you find out something new. And you you start to get to a point where you think, I'm never going to find out anything new about this person. I've been with this. I've been married for 25 years. or I've known my friend for 15 years. Um, There's always more to learn. There's always more to know. You just have to really think. Again, be intentional about the questions. I'm going to give you a little assignment to do right now. Whoever's sitting next to you, you might know the person, you might not know the person. I want you to to take a moment and ask them this question. Where did they live at age 10? That's the question. Where did you live at age 10? Ready? Ask. How many of you have already gone beyond that question how many of you have a date for tonight it didn't take much did it you just asked a question that you probably hardly ever ask anybody where did you live at age 10 and all this stuff starts 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 coming out you know when i was in my doctoral program i was studying marriage and family and and we were peeling back the layers and we were going deep And then one of my professors said this one day, and I never forgot it. He said, just ask the simple questions. The simple questions will always take you somewhere. They'll always take you where you need to go. Your questions don't have to be complex. They don't have to be theologically sophisticated. They don't have to be erudite. Where did you live when you were 10? And then you just go on, from there the thing is you have to think about asking those questions you have to honestly take a moment and craft a simple question and it begins to to get to a place where you have the reward of sharing your heart instead of being confused about sharing your heart or just living the same life over and over and over again there's a part two to the lost skills another skill we seem to have lost is simply the act of listening. You see, you have to listen deeper than the surface. Let me tell you a story. I'll get in trouble for telling the story, but at this point in my life, I don't care. Okay, so I'm very—I'm a dangerous person because I don't care. I'm just coming at you. That's it. Uh, I don't mean this for any woman in particular who's sitting in the balcony, but it's just. I was going to tell you a story. Hey, so I come home and and Gail says, uh, "We need a new hose, but right now the the hose is is so tight on the outside faucet, we can't we can't get it off." And and I'm a man, so immediately I saw a challenge. This is a this is a end to end run on a football field. It's like catch the kickoff on our goal line, and run it back to your goal line. This is what we want to do with our lives. Do do something spectacular. So I said, let me put my muscles on it. And I just, I started to breathe deep. Let me put my muscles on it. And then she said four words. She said four words. And I want to get this right. I don't want to make a mistake. She says four words to me. I don't think so. And that just made me more want to get this thing done. And she goes, I had David Olson try, and he couldn't do it. He had wrenches on it, and he couldn't do it. David Olson sometimes sings up here on the worship team. Uh, He's a painter. He sometimes comes over and paints a room when she's changing a color. I had David Olson put wrenches on it. He couldn't do it. I don't think so. So I went out. And I stared at the faucet, and I got in touch with my inner Hulk. And that's what happened. Do you see a hose? There's no hose. I just got that. Bam! That thing popped off like butter. I didn't spray it. Somebody came up to me after the first service. You sprayed something on it? No. I just grabbed it. It was so afraid of me by that point. I just ripped that thing off. Ripped it right off. Another thing we do out of confusion is we live undercover. That listening thing, you have to listen deep. You have to listen for what a person is really saying. And what I was saying is, is I want to, to help. I want to serve. I want to, I want to once again get in touch with, with some muscles that I had a long time ago and see if they're still there. I, you know, there's, there's always a deeper thing going on. And when you listen, you listen for the deeper stuff that's going on, not just what's on the surface. The other thing we do out of confusion is we live undercover. The shook's right. It's an awkward, it's awkward to expose your heart and feel completely vulnerable. And they're right. It's very awkward. It feels weird. In fact, you may even feel awkward just reading about it. That's because the upside down thinking of the world says you have to protect your heart. It says that if you expose your heart and share your true feelings, people may not like you. If they see the real you with all your faults, fears and failures, they may reject you. And if people reject you, then you're not valuable and you don't count. That's such a lie, you're, you're always valuable. You always count all the time. Tony Campolo says, God has a wallet with your picture in it. He takes it out and he looks at you and he loves you. You are his special child. You are the one that he loves. You're always valuable. You count all the time. But we get caught up in the way the the world positions itself and then we start to to position ourselves and, and soon we get confused about sharing our hearts and we live, we live under cover. I tried to be vulnerable yesterday. It was awkward when I was driving back from Arlington. 95 was a parking lot. It took me six hours to make the trip, like double the amount of time that it should have. I, I was wondering where did all these people come from? Where are all these people going? I thought it was the end of the world. I thought everybody knew it was the end of the world. They're all leaving. Where are they going? It was and 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 Route One was a parking lot. And the whole thing was just bizarre. And so when that happens, I can't handle that. I just can't. I I, so I get out my GPS on my phone and I start, I'm looking for for just small ancillary roads. I find these roads, County Road 632. And it goes like nowhere, but I get on it. I don't care. As long as there's there's road and I can keep going. I'm on county road this and county road that, and I'm just trying to figure out a way. So it, it, it got to where I was, I was hungry. I'd been on the road for a couple hours already, and there in the distance was Kentucky Fried Chicken. I saw it, and, and I wasn't that thrilled about it, but I'm just hungry, I have to have something. I'll just run in quick. So I run in there, and I decide to be vulnerable. The, the woman, Joyce, at the counter said, how are you doing? And I could have said, I'm doing great, how are you? But I want to be vulnerable I said I'm doing terrible this there's traffic everywhere I have to get home I've got to preach in church tomorrow it's just I, I just can't even believe what's going on in my life and she looked at me and she said chicken will ease your pain <laughs> it was like revival was going to break out I felt I felt like dropping on on my knees and giving my heart to God again. It was, chicken will ease your pain. You know, and we just, we had a moment because I was vulnerable. And she opened up her life to me. And it was in that moment, right before I got those chicken wings, that I felt like a human being again. There's a story in, in the book on page 137 that I'd like to read to you. In his book, Wild at Heart, John Eldridge tells about a conversation with his best friend, an articulate, educated man with a great family and an enviable job. His friend, who seemed to have it all together, admitted, the truth is, John, I feel like I'm just bluffing my way through life and that someday soon I'll be exposed as an imposter. Eldridge goes on to say that this is a common theme among men. Men especially seem afraid to open up their hearts because they fear rejection. But if you never open up your heart, you never have the, the reward that comes from sharing your heart. You, you just end up living a fear-based kind of life. You end up putting yourself under the covers, and, and every once in a while you peek out. And that's not any way that you want to live. You don't want to live in fear. There was a a person who was living under cover, and their life got very, very dry and very, very empty and very, very lonely until finally they decided to come out and talk to somebody about that. And when that person did, everything changed. And life had a flicker of hope in it. And that person started to follow that little flicker of hope. And I followed that flicker of hope for 41 and a half years now. And that's why I know this works. But we're all all prone to hiding and to staying safe. And every time we do that, we sink a little farther down and our lives just become kind of, empty and mechanical. Don't do that to yourself. Don't let that happen. You're not an imposter. You're a real person. You have gifts. You have great opportunities that God has set before you. And you can accomplish those things. You can accomplish them with love at last sight. In Colossians chapter 3, as we go back there, there's kind of a model for The reward of sharing your hearts therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience kind of sounds like galatians 5 that we read last week bear with each other paul knows who we are bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Paul knows who we are. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You want the reward of sharing your heart, and you are going to have to forgive the person right now that you don't want to forgive. doesn't mean you've got to have a relationship with them, but it does mean you have to forgive them. A couple years back, I did a message about forgiveness. I titled it, Forgiveness is a Dirty Word. And I've put that, that message into a chapter, and there's a chapter that is now in a, in a book, and that book is going to a publisher next week, and we'll have it in the fall so we can all share, share it together. But I feel so good about that chapter because God allowed me to see all the different ways that we can forgive each other. There's reset button forgiveness, and there's process forgiveness, and there's solo forgiveness, and there's a couple other kinds of forgiveness that we just need to to bring into our lives if we're going to have love at last sight kind of lives. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. The peace of Christ is not a peace of your mind. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. It's saying to, to not hold onto like your agitation and what makes you, you angry all the time, but to let, it's a command, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. It's not a piece of your mind that anybody needs. It's the peace of Christ in you that people need. This is where spirituality really meets the road of your life. It's where your faith really becomes something that is a gift. It's where the reward of sharing your heart becomes big and magnanimous because you're letting God's peace live inside of you. And you're coming out of whatever things that you grew up with or your personality you're able to step aside from that. That's what we talked about last week when we read Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, and he talked about when he was a child, he thought like a child, but when he grew up, he had to let go of that stuff. Winston Churchill put it this way. In the course of my life, I have often had to eat my words, and I must confess that I have always found it a wholesome diet. Let Christ rule in your hearts. His peace will give you the reward that you always want in your heart. The Bible in your heart is part of this model too. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing Psalms. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and and admonish one another with all wisdom that means when you take even just a little bit of this book and you keep it in your hearts it'll come back and bless your life it'll come back and help you to to bridge a gap or negotiate a sharp relational turn in your life so often i'm, I'm talking to people and and passages of scripture will pop into my mind things that i memorized a long time ago will become like gifts that I give to people, or something will be agitating in my mind. I'm cogitating, I'm agitated, and, and, and I remember something that Jesus said, and it brings wisdom to a situation. You're not going to get wisdom from reading the paper usually. You're not going to get wisdom from doing life the same old way you did it or doing what your granddaddy said you should do when it rains. But you're going to get a lot of wisdom when you put this in your heart. And if you were to to do five minutes a day of reading this book, it would change your life. You would have love at last sight. You would have a reward in your heart. It's not what we do in society anymore. But when I was in the third grade, I can still remember the teacher calling me up to read out of the Bible. Public school, third grade. Nobody ever got hurt by that nobody ever got hurt just good stuff came out of that and while we can't do that and there's laws against that nobody's stopping you from doing it for yourself put the bible in your hearts let the word of christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and then there is understanding your style of worship that is part of the reward of sharing your hearts. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. Uh, everybody's got a different style of worship. And once you know what your style is, you become free. You can really share your heart with other people. Some people really like to sing, and they could sing, they could sing the whole service. Let's move the sermon out of the way. Just keep singing. Some people love to do that. And that's your, your style of worship. It's who God made you, and it's great. And some people need to go take a long walk and, and look out into the clouds or out into a starry, moonless night and, and just wonder at the grandeur of God. Some people like to write their own prayers and, or write a poem about who they are in Christ or who God is in their life. There's all these different ways, but when you, when you allow yourself to worship the way God wired you to worship, you are free inside, and the gift of your heart to someone else and that expression of worship is the reward of sharing your heart and then finally bringing faith bring faith and life together all the time and whatever you do whatever you do in word whether in word or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him in other words it's not just here that we're doing our faith that we're living out Christianity it really starts when you go out the door, when you go to work tomorrow morning, when the practical reality of all the stress and the pressure sets in again. And then you say, no matter what happens today, I'm going to do this as a gift to God. I can, I can rise above a lot of stuff. I can bring the reward of sharing my heart to the people I work with. I can change the context that I work in instead of letting the context change me. And then it gets dangerous, right? We should all just quit and go home now. But we can't because it gets dangerous. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. You know what that means? Real simple. Let's just cut to the bottom line. It means, wives, share your heart with your husbands. Be a love at last sight person. And don't get confused about sharing your hearts. Make that a reward Make that something you enter into with joy and with hope and then husbands love your wives and do not be harsh with them it's really there, there's there's an, a level playing field here it's not a hierarchical system husbands love your wives give and give and give and then give some more to them share your heart with them don't have expectations of them that they should meet your demands, love them. Do not be harsh. In other words, don't demand. Share your heart, wives. Love at last sight. Husbands, love at last sight. Children, obey your parents and everything, for this pleases the Lord. Don't always just argue with your parents for the sake of argument. Realize that they're not perfect people, but they're they're working hard for you. They're they're trying to help you. Um, yeah, you've got to bounce some stuff off them, but. Show them the respect that they have deserved by giving their lives for you, to serve you. And then, fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. You know, it's easy for dads to go, you're not doing this right in my house. It's going to be like this. This is the way it is. If you don't like it, you can leave. You know, it's easy to have all that stuff. Don't do it. It, What does it say? It says, where they will become discouraged. And do you know what happens when they become discouraged? They never leave. (laughs) Because they they don't know how to live their lives. They're confused because you confuse them and it's your fault. (laughs) Robert F. Kennedy uttered these words on April the 4th, 1968 after the assassination of Martin Luther King, Jr. He said, my favorite poet was Aeschylus. He once wrote, even in our sleep, pain which cannot forget falls drop by drop upon the heart until in our own despair against our will comes wisdom through the awful grace of God. David put it this way in Psalm 51. He said, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, oh God, you will not turn away from. God wants you to have a love at last sight kind of life. He knows your broken parts. He knows what's happened. But he says, we can do this. We can live this out together. You can do great things. You can do amazing things. Keep focused on me. Let the word of Christ, my son, dwell richly in you. Let the peace of my son rule in your hearts. Forgive as he forgave you. And if you are willing to do those things, though C.S. Lewis said, to love it all is to be vulnerable. And it is, you will still be hurt. You'll still get knocked down sometimes, although it's, it's hard. You will embrace and you will live a love-at-last-sight kind of life. And you will be like a light in the world. Live love-at-last-sight. Own the reward of sharing your heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, and all these things. We ask that you meet us in the places where we have been hurt, where in our vulnerability we have been knocked down, where we have shed tears and have wondered, is there, is there anything real about relationships anymore? Father, call us to, to live the way you have ordained for us to live, to live like Christ and allow us to have and to find and to own and embrace the rewards of sharing our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.